Oh, that's is right. That, is that where everybody is, back getting ready for the potluck? Yeah. They yeah. do, they I'm do. stumbling in like Look a wandering prod- child. Wait, wandering in like a stumbling child? Come stumbling in like a prodigal, prodigal child. child yeah. yeah, yeah, like a prodigal child. Really? I should do that. I should do a sermon on the prodigal child sometime. I it's actually the gracious father is really what, how it should be named. But mm-hmm. Or the, um, the resentful son. Or the resentful son. We're gonna t- I could talk, you know, the resentful son for you two who are not yet waiting back there. And you, you put folks online. It yeah. is exhibiting the issue that we're going to be talking about today. Yep. Good morning, everyone. Now they're come stumbling in. Stumbling yes. In like a prodigal child. I know we're online too. So if I know. Good morning, online. everybody online. It, <sighs> okay. Anyways, hey, do we have any announcements to make? Good morning, everyone. Thanks for allowing us to have the Joe and Brian show. Business meeting today after service. If you um, um, are a member and you would like to join in the business meeting, but you are not here, there will be a a Zoom link that goes out. If you don't find that, text Jesse. She'll get it to you. But that's going to be right after the service. So the Zoom meeting will start probably about 11.45 or so. Um, Yes. Coloring night. I think that's Monday. That's Monday. Yes, Monday mm-hmm. here at the church, seven o'clock. It's a great fun. I would encourage you guys to come to that. Next, I think that is that it. Greeter meeting next Sunday after church here. If you are interested in just making people feel welcome at the church, please come. If nothing else, you can just learn about what we're doing. Yeah, going to the meeting doesn't sign you up. It just simply says, "Hey, I'm I'm interested in this topic." Okay. But if you are someone who's scheduled to greet, I, yeah, I need you to be there. And if you can't be there, let me know so that I can uh, let you know what we're going to talk about. Okay? Business me- uh, greeter meeting next Sunday after church. Ne- prayer meeting. If you need prayer, um, the elders are available after church. Um, um, Bob and Deb uh, would l- happily uh, pray for you after service. And it just if you're just struggling with stuff, let me know. Let them know and we'll pray for you. Is that all of them? Is that all of our announcements? Good news for those who don't. Good news for, yeah, our slogan. Good news for those who don't, don't have potluck. Oh, gosh. Don't Don't have have green bean casserole. Yeah. All right. So today we are continuing our series on on love. And um, I've retitled it to uh, the series to Loving Mean People. Because honestly, that's the whole point. In this, in this section that Paul is dealing with in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is there are people that are just not being nice, and there's all this strife in the church, and there's all this pain and problems, kind of like our society at the moment. And his solution is you need to love people. And then he goes on to explain what does he mean by love? So it's loving mean people. How do you love mean people? Um, and today's topic is the hidden monster. The hidden monster. It's something that almost every human being struggles with and it happens all the time but we rarely realize it that's our topic for the day let's pray father god thank you for uh, for your love for us that you loved us more than than uh, than we can imagine 
help us to 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 hear your voice in the music, hear your voice um, in in communion, hear your voice in uh, in the message, and give you the praise and the honor and, and, and the the worship you deserve because you have loved us when we are mean to you and we are ungracious and we are unkind and we are um, just not loving. And you loved us in that moment. And so, Lord, help us to set aside at this point all the stuff that's going on in our own world, all the stuff that's coming, you know, the traffic or the food or kids or whatever it is, whether you're at home or you're here, and just think about you for a time to get some perspective on our own hearts for the world and how we can be more loving to, to, to the people in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you're meeting us here this morning. Father, oh gosh, I'm just going to pray for me for a moment, Lord. Um, help us to forgive ourselves when we recognize where we have failed or continue to fail. to acknowledge your grace, your patience. We spoke last week, you, you don't mete out justice immediately. Thank you for giving us time to realize how we have failed and to make those adjustments, but still, those things that haunt us, that tell us that we have failed, that we forgive ourselves, so that we can move forward and do better. That when we worship you, we're not distracted by our failures, but we are just wholly focused on who you are and your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. I just ask for us to have the courage to be vulnerable before you and vulnerable before those people who don't know you. That we can be courageous and strong and still demonstrate our flaws and our weakness. And that we can recognize how much we have to learn and to model that just today, to practice this today in hearing the message and being convicted by it. Convict me today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us when we were mean. Now, Lord, as we come into this moment, help me to communicate clearly and accurately what you, have what you say, because we don't need, in this day, golly, we don't need, a, we didn't, we don't need another person's voice. We need the voice from the transcendent holy God of the universe. Um, and as we, uh, even as I ask that, I'm so aware of how my, my frailties and my sin and my inadequacies for that task. And so I ask that somehow um, you'll take this little tiny fish that I'm offering you and multiply it into something that's, that's not so much more than, than, than what it, my ability should be able to do. Um, Help us to hear you, Jesus.
in this moment. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Loving mean people. As I said, you know, I changed the title of the whole series um, because I was thinking about, about uh, putting it in context this week. In fact, I, 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 I said that last week, you know, that I'm going to tell you every single week. I'm gonna, the, the context that we need to remember this is that it's, you need to see all the commands in terms of sin and relationships and that, that people are going to be un, unloving to you. And you need, that's when love shines the brightest, is when people are not nice to us. That's the moment. And, and then I just realized, well, that's Paul's point in the entire chapter, is he's been laying out all these issues that are going on in the First Corinthians, um, in the Corinthian church. Whether it's, whether it's leadership issues or judgments and fights and, and all these problems. And he says, but let me show you the way you need to be. You need to love. So you need to see it in terms of being, when people aren't okay. And mean means when they're hurtful, when they're not nice, when they're, when they're frankly ungrateful and, and, and just not loving to you. That's the moment where you need to be the most loving. And, you know, that's what's being said here in, in, in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. While we are doing the things that God really dislikes to a degree that we, it's, it's difficult for us to grasp how much God hates sin, how um, abhorrent it is to him. And yet, in, while we're doing that thing that he dislikes so much, while you're doing that, that's the moment that God loves you. That's the moment where Jesus died for you. With all of that laid out before him, he goes, I love you. I love you in that moment. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Which is the second part of this, the context, is that love means sacrifice. Just generally saying, it's about putting the, the good of another person ahead of your good. And by the way, that does not mean you give them everything they want. Sometimes it means saying no. That's how God loves us. Do you think he says, gives us everything we want all the time? God, I want a million dollars. And I didn't do that. Because he knows that's not good for us to give us everything we want. I mean, and we know this as parents, right? Just because your kid asks for it doesn't mean that you're going to give it to him. You give it to them if you think that's a good thing for them. You want to give good to them, and so yes, I mean, if, if it's going to be good for them, you'd happily give them a good thing. But what if it isn't? Then you say no. So, sacrifice. Yes, love means sacrificing, dying for, your, for the person you love, putting their needs above yours, your love, their wants, their, the things that are going to make them happy in front of your happiness. But that doesn't mean you always say yes. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is to tell them, no. But that's the context. And last week we talked about, that's the context, about two things with this. That patience, we talked about patience and kindness. That patience 
is delaying. It's waiting. And kindness is doing good to them while you're waiting. It's like, so the, so the image of these two things in, in 1 Corinthians 13 is, is when they do something not nice to you, and they're mean, ungrateful, whatever it is, something that, you re- that really deserves judgment on them. Your response is not to instantaneously snap at them. Not instantaneously to demand justice. Instead, it's to wait. Leave room for them to repent. To go, oh, you're right, honey. I was mean. Leave room for, for maybe for you to maybe go, oh, no, I was the one that was wrong. How many times does that happen? Will you first get upset at someone and then you reflect on it uh, you know, an hour later and you're like, wow, I did not see that situation. Or maybe I'm the one that's grumpy and not, oh, I was wrong. So if you delay, sometimes you'll do that. But, but let's say they don't repent and you realize if, after reflection on it, you go, no, I'm right. They were just simply not okay in that moment. Then you leave room for God's judgment to come. Vengeance is his. And sometimes it's to point out their sin, but you do it out of kindness, which is what the second half is to bless. Because God does good to good and bad people. He makes the sun shine, says Jesus, on the righteous and the unrighteous. He allows us to have good things. And, sh- and, 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 and I, as difficult as it is for us to grasp this, God doesn't thump us every time we do something wrong. Instead, what he usually does is he blesses people, even in they sin. I, I feel almost blasphemous to say that, because isn't God supposed to bring ju- you know, judgment on people who and they sin? He will balance the scales eventually in his day, in his time, in his manner. But for this life, man... The thief who steals the apple still gets to enjoy the apple, usually. God blesses. So we need to, too. When they're mean, instead of thumping them, you wait. And you figure out how you can be kind to them. You bless them. Which brings us to this one. In fact, well, here's the two verses that, that support that. But love your enemies. People are mean to you. Do good to them. Lend without being expected, meaning that you know they're not going to pay it back, which is wrong. But do it anyhow. Then great is your reward in heaven, and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the grateful and the wicked. That's what we need to be. So when someone in in this world is mean to you, do that. And then... Wait for God's judgment. So, do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge you, not you, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. In other words, bless them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. If he doesn't repent, it's more judgment that people were this person you were kind that was kind to you you did that to them because kindness is meant to lead you to repentance and if it doesn't then ooh what if in other words don't overcome evil with good do not do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good 
That's what the first week was at. Now this week, we're going to be talking about the green-eyed monster, envy. It's the hidden sin. And I say it's hidden because when was the last time you repented of envy? I'll wait. We barely even think of it as a sin, if at all. We think, oh, that's probably not a good thing, but, you know, I'll, 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 I'll confess to, to anger or to pride, maybe, or, I'll, I'll, or, or, or stealing something. But envy? Love doesn't envy. <laughs> In fact, 1 Corinthians, love does not envy. Now, what is envy? We've got to get that figured out. Envy is a... The problem with envy is this. There's a couple of issues that we struggle with. It. One, we mix it up with jealousy. We think it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. In fact, we often say jealousy when we really mean envy, and we say envy when we often mean jealousy, or we just, say, we just flip them back and forth. But they are two very different things. Um, even though in our common vernacular, they're synonyms, but they're not. Whether it's in scripture or in how um, counselors will use it when people dealing with people who have envy, a psychological association has clearly two distinct definitions of the two things. They're not the same. And again, biblically, it's, they're not the same, even though, unfortunately, sometimes your translations will flip them back and forth, but they're not the same. Let me see if I can help you understand the difference. Um, Envy is saying, I want what you rightfully have, whether it's ambition or, or status or an item or a person. I want what is not rightfully mine. Jealousy is you don't get to have what is mine. So for let's give you an illustration. It is jealousy that says, um, that's my wife. You don't get to take her to dinner. That's my wife. Don't steal my wife. Jealousy. Envy is, I want his wife. Do you see the difference? I want his car. It's not my car, but I want it. That's my promotion. I should have that promotion. Envy is really about, it's just two people involved. I mean, there could be a third person if it's a person that you're envying, but it's really about two people. I want what you have. It's not mine. I want it. Jealousy is to protect what is already belongs to you. It's like defending your house. This is mine. Someone's trying to steal it away. No, 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 no. That's mine. It's an issue of ownership. As one... Um, one person put it this way, envy is, dis, is disconnect, is di, di, being dis, di, unhappy and resentment, it's pain, and it's generated by the desire for the possessions, the attributes, the qualities or achievements of another person. I want what the other person has. That's what envy is. Envy is always wrong. Jealousy doesn't have to be. And I know in our society, we tend to think, oh, is jealousy is wrong. No, not always. God is jealous. We see that in the, just before Jesus, before, uh, in the Ten Commandments. I am a jealous God. You shall have no other gods before me. 
You can be jealous if something is trying to take what you what is yours. But envy, envy is not okay. And envy can have little, just have a have, have just a little hook in you. And it can it can it can motivate people to to, to want to get that promotion. I want that promotion, so I'm going to work harder to get it. Or it can lead to murder. I'm going to take that over your dead body. If it's allowed to fully go. There's two big honking words that I want to share here. I know at least Joe knows one of them. Has anybody else seen these words? Schadenfreude. I got to use the German words because there's no English words for these. And the other one, I'm saying this right. Thank you. Glückschmerz. Two words. Let me give you a definite one. The top one is um, I am happy at your misfortune. That's envy. Oh, good. He, he, He didn't get the promotion. Yes. Not okay. The other one, the Glucksensmerz, is I'm hurt. I am pained because something good happened to you. Both are not okay. And I was thinking about these words in the context of sports, my, um, whether it's a, a basketball game. H- how often have I heard that LeBron James has lost and go, yes, I don't like LeBron James. I don't like the Lakers. That's not okay. That's schadenfreude. Freude, whatever. I don't speak German. It's happy that in someone else's pain. And how often do I get bummed when he wins? A couple weeks ago, um, my son Jack wrestled someone and he beat him. And um, I think it was his brother was really not happy, and he was not nice about it. Later on, I saw the same kid and the same brother watching, and I cheered for the other guy. That's not okay. Just because he was not nice. See, this is what envy does. This is what envy is. It's this kind of mentality. And we see it all over the place. And social media is just perfect to create this. Oh, that's a nice dinner. I wish I had that dinner. Oh, look at that vacation. And oh, well, that beach is just gorgeous. I hate it. It's sunny there and it's raining here. It just, this is what it does. And here's the thing is it's, perf- it's purposeful to do this. People do this on purpose. My day is wonderful. Click. Oh. Now i got to go back to work. People do that all the time. And it's very well documented that social media causes envy. Now, some of you aren't into social media. But that doesn't mean you're not immune to this. Golly, you know, I was thinking, I just, my note here is just description of our society. I really think, and I'm just going to leave it just tantalized there. I think if we start thinking about this, the this wanting and being unhappy at somebody else's successes 
explains what's happening in our society in a lot of ways. It's that pervasive. Whether we're talking on a political level, we're talking about in terms of personal relationships, it's everywhere. And it kills joy. It, well, let's talk, why is it so bad? Why is this so bad? I really want, really want to help you get that, that this is really not okay. And the first one is just simply that it's a very, very big sin. It's huge, even though we don't think of it as such. For, let's start with James here. For there, where you have envy and selfish ambition, ambition, let's pause right there. I said sometimes the, 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 the easier, the not too bad part of envy is it can make you want to get that promotion, that selfish ambition. You're not trying to be ambitious so that you can, you can bless people. You're not trying to be ambitious so that you can help the company. No, you're being ambitious for your own selfish needs and wants selfish ambition wherever that is there you're going to find every disorder and every evil practice envy is at the root of a lot of sin and problems and strife in a society in a group in a community it, it causes murder so when they gathered together Pilate said to them, to his chief priests, so you want me to release for you Barnabas or Jesus? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Whether we're talking about Cain and Abel, whether we're talking about Jesus, there are multiple stories in the Bible where envy is the cause of murder. Because if I can't have it, you won't have it. And I'll take it over your dead body if I got to. That's when it fully comes to, to fruition. Maybe the, uh, the, the kicker is <clears throat> it characterizes Satan. How you have fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you have cut down to the ground, you who weakened nations. Why? Because you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. I and the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. I want what he has. I want the worship that God the creator has. I want his rule. I want his throne. I want his, I want what he's got. That's envy. It characterizes Satan. It might even be the act, we think, typically think of pride as being the primary motivator of the fall of Satan, but it might actually be envy. So why is it so bad? It's a big sin, guys, that we never that we never confess. It's a big deal. But also, I just want you to hear its, it's effects are devastating on you. Even if it wasn't a sin, just the effect. 
effects on us and our relationships are huge. Now, I could pull out a bunch of stories to help show you whether we're talking about Saul and David. Saul became, became very jealous and very envious of David, and so they just twisted him, and it ruined the relationships there. But let me just, realize, just read you um, a quote here. Envious people um, tend to feel hostile, resentful, angry, and irritable. How come I don't have his success? I should have been more successful. I should have had a better job by now. I should have had a better wife. I should have had more money. Whatever it is. Such individuals are less likely to feel grateful about their positive things. It blinds you to what's good in your life. And their own circumstances, their positive traits and circumstances. You may have, so, you may have a wonderful spouse, but all you're seeing is what you don't have. It's the grass is greener on the other side. Envy is also related to depression, to anxiety, and the development of prejudice and personal unhappiness. Now, do you see why I think maybe this is uh, affect, characterizes our society right now? And neuroscientists say this, that it literally hurts us just as much as physical pain. Envy is not a, not, it is a monster. It is a monster. Love is not envious. It kills your relationships. It kills your joy. It kills your, 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 your peace. We gotta deal with it. So how do you deal with envy? You know, even as I as I've looked at this this sermon this week, you know, and I and I started thinking about, okay, this is what it is. Man, that's a bad thing. But what do we do about it? You know, and how do I make this not just simply a a morality sermon? Okay, well, what do you do? Well, a couple weeks ago, I, I, I had those three R's, and I went, okay, let's go back to that. And those were what? Repent, remind, and rejoice. On one hand, we just, when we hear these moral things, we need to go, yep, I don't want to be like that. Right? We also need to remind ourselves of the gospel. We need to remind ourselves about who we are in Jesus, that we have forgiveness, that we have, that eventually there's, here's the rejoice, that, that one day we will never feel envy ever again. Yes. So we need to remind ourselves of this. And then I went, okay, what do we need to do? And Paul helpfully just brought it right up. Romans 12. Bless those who persecute you. That's kindness, right? Right? Bless and don't curse. In other, instead, you need to rejoice with those who rejoice and you need to mourn with those who mourn. Which is the exact opposite of envy. It's not schadenfreude. It's not glucon schmerz. I 
just really want to think, I just keep thinking of Beavis, not Beavis and Butthead, Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> anyway, okay, those of you who ever watched that, you have no idea what I just referenced. Go look it up. He's the bad guy in the whole thing. Okay. But in both cases, it's the, the simple way to repent is to do what, stop doing what you were and do something that you're supposed to do, which is when that wrestler who I'm grumpy at because his brother was a jerk, I should have cheered for him. I should have been happy. You should be happy when a coworker gets the promotion. I should cheer for LeBron. Yay, he's, ha- he, he's happy. That should make me happy. We should rejoice with those who rejoice. You should rejoice with those who rejoice. He's got a wonderful spouse. Fantastic. God's blessed him. Wonderful. And when they're sad, when they're, you know, you don't go, yes. That reminded me of, I never get it right, America's Funniest Videos. Oh my gosh, that's all about envy. Oh, that was a funny fall. (laughs) Bet that hurt. It is funny. But we're laughing at their pain. I mean, the dog videos are great. The cat videos when they're falling off or they try, they just miss. It's like, but that's weeping. That's not weeping with those who weep. It's not, it's not rejoicing with those who rejoice. So that's my, that's, that, that's my practical suggestion this week as you're working on, en- on, on your envy in your life. Whenever you want to be hurt, feel pain in your heart because somebody succeeded, try and rejoice with them instead. Be happy for their happiness. To mourn with those who mourn. For the second part of this, the reminding. Because this is, if I stopped right there, it would just be a morality statement. But that's not enough. We need to remember something. Envy, the psychologists say, is driven by insecurity, inferiority, and this sense of being deprived. But that is not true for you as your Christians. You are not insecure. You have security. You are not deprived. You are not inferior. You need to remember that in Jesus Christ, you are loved beyond measure. You have have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. Oh my gosh. How much must you be worth? You are not, you can't be inferior. And and deprived? Do you not know you will have all things? Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son, you are costly, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And what are all things? All things are all things. Jesus is the heir of everything. Take a walk outside. Who owns that? You do. Every tree, every mountain, every hill. That's yours. Who owns Saturn? We do. Because Jesus owns them all. Now, we don't deserve it, of course. 
But Jesus is the heir to all of creation, and we are co-heirs with him. You're not deprived. As Paul says in Ephesians 1, you've been blessed with every blessing in the heavenly realm. You have it all. You may not have it in your hands at this moment, but you have it all. God has not spared one good thing from you. He may delay having you fully experience it, but you have it all. Love? How can you be more loved than God the Creator would send His Son for you? Significant? You're His children. If you can remind yourself of that, the core cause of it will be solved. Remind yourself of what Jesus has given you so that you can rejoice with those who rejoice. You can bless those who are persecute and are mean to you because you know God will make it right in the end. You know he'll take care of it. He'll take care of you. Rejoice with those who rejoice and be like your Father in heaven. Repent, remind, and rejoice and not be not be not be envious and give in to the green monster of envy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Help us to hear that in you, Jesus, we are loved more than we could possibly imagine. That we are that we are significant, that we are co-rulers with you in the heavens, that we have all things. Um, because we are co-heirs with you. Lord, help us to see when we are envious and to repent of it. Help us to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep, and to, to bless and to not curse when people are mean to us, when people do things that we wish we had done. And, and, and when we see those things that we've the way we have not been right. Remind us of your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do a few more songs. Stand as you're able, or just to assume a posture of worship that makes sense to you, that's meaningful to you. Schadenfreude and Glückschmerz. Doofenshmirtz Incorporated, yes, yeah. Right. I apologize to all of you. Okay. Um, I gotta say, I'm glad I prayed before the sermon to be convicted, because gosh. And here's the first thing I was convicted of pride for thinking, oh, I know I've got issues with envy. That was like the first thing I thought is like, pick me, Brian. I got lots of issues with envy. And then as he went through, I went, oh, I got a lot more than I thought I did. 100%. I started thinking about the envy I have for, um, on behalf of my wife and my son, that where I'm like, oh, my wife should have that. My son should have that. They work hard. They deserve that. And I think about how envy draws me into deeper sin in other areas 
where I see something and I go, I should have that or they shouldn't have that or they don't deserve that. And then I take actions that lead me into deeper sin. Holy cow. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> okay, I got to go back to a lyric. I got, I'm sorry. <laughs> Fix your eyes on the mountain. Let the past be dead and gone. That's really convicting to me this morning. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. And it's going to make me cry. I'm going to tell you anyway. Because it's ridiculous to me that it still hurts me. I was eight years old. There was a boy named Terry. I remember his name, not you, because you're not a boy. I got tired of being bullied at school by other kids. And I knew this kid was weaker than me. And I saw him walking down the street. And I told him to come over. And I threw him on the ground and I beat the hell out of him. And it was only when I was shamed by the neighbor that I loved so dearly that, like, what are you doing? Leave him alone, that I just went. And it's because I felt weak. And I see that, and it still hurts me. I'm going to be 52 this year. And I'm thinking, I hope that kid's okay. He's way beyond that. And that's why it's like, please, God, help me remember that I'm forgiven. Because I just did something that's felt wrong at the moment, but I thought maybe I'll feel less weak if I do this thing. Anyway, let the past be dead and gone. There's something I know that each of you, and there's probably more than something that you're carrying with you that you should have let go go of a long time ago. You were forgiven a long time ago. Do not covet that. Do not somehow cherish that shame. It's gone. Just throw it away. And I pray that it, I continue to pray that I forgive myself for something I did a long time ago. You may be seated. We come to the table remembering that we are all broken and needy. Envy's a monster, but we all have it. And we are, this is one beggar telling us all beggars where to find food, where to find the forgiveness we need, the love that we need, the joy that we need, the forgiveness, and his arms are wide. You are loved. You are wanted. In the, in the worst moment of your life is when Jesus loved you. So we come to the table reverently because this is where Jesus meets us. We see him here. We don't completely understand how this all works. It's somehow God is literally here meeting us, communing with us as we remember his death and his resurrection. We remember that on the night that he was betrayed, our Lord took bread and said, this is my body given for you. 
And Isaiah, as Isaiah 53 put it, he went to the cross just a couple of hours later and all of our envy and pride and all, all of the unspeakable things we've done were laid upon Jesus and there he took the punishment. Will justice happen? Oh, yeah. And it'll either fall on Jesus or, it'll fall, or you'll take it yourself. So we come to the table seeking mercy. And there his on Jesus was laid our sin and he was crushed for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought brings us peace with God was laid upon him. By his stripes we are healed and we are made righteous. In the same way after supper he took the cup and said this is the cup of the new agreement between man and God. Man and, and God and the covenant of forgiveness. It's not based on what you do, but on what he has done. So that you are righteous because of your faith alone. Come to the table. Meet your Savior. Meet his arms wide. This table is open for everyone who comes to the table going, I need you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. I trust you. Come to the table. And we'll sing as we do that, and then we'll share together at the end. As we have a solidarity going, we all need this. Thank you, Jesus, that you forgive us. Lord Jesus, we come to this table and we say, Lord, this is what I've done. I've done blank. Been envious and prideful. I've, 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 I've wept when other people are rejoicing. I have rejoiced when people are weeping. I've longed for what is not mine. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. Now change my heart, Jesus, that I can be different. And I rejoice in the fact that one day you will fully make me like you. What a joyful day that'll be. Thank you that you love me in my worst. The body and blood of Christ given for you. God bless you today. May he bless you tomorrow. In fact, I know he has and he will continue to do so. Because God is good and he loves you. You are forgiven. Now go and rejoice and bless the world and be children of your father. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week. <laughs>